0: Hey, friends. A quick note before we get started. The last few months have been intense and stressful for all of us. I've been pushing through, but the exhaustion has finally caught up with me and I need a little break. The podcast will be on hiatus for the next two weeks while I take a breather. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you'll take the next two weeks to dive into the archives. And if you're a regular listener, Thank you for your continued support. Please consider sharing the show with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow and let all women know that they are normal and what they desire is okay. I'll be back with the next regular episode on September 3rd. It's a great one with a 72 year old woman who talks about how she always liked foreplay but doesn't enjoy penetration. And now, Let's dive into today's episode. Do you enjoy blowjobs? Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sex educator and sexual communication coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends. The last few weeks have been really intense. As I'm recording this, my partner and I have just moved into a new apartment where we have a little more space. And I have an office, an honest-to-goodness office where I can work and record this podcast and all the other things that go along with running a business at home. Honestly, for the last year and a half, I have been doing all of this from my couch and my bed. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am to have a dedicated space to record this podcast and run my business. Um, though for the record, I should tell you that I'm recording this episode in my car because I don't have the recording space set up yet, and cars can be great recording studios. Except for those pesky people like the person driving by right now, who use this time to access this street. (laughs) So uh, just a fair warning in advance, there will be more background noise in this episode than usual. But anyway, back to the move. One thing that I'm really excited about in the new apartment is that the office space has a daybed in it. And it can function as a couch most of the time, but it's also a really comfy twin size bed. Of course, that means that we can use it for visitors someday in the future when we're allowed to have visitors again. But even better, it means that we'll each have a space we can sleep in. So obvious question, why do we want separate bedrooms? It's not because we're living in a 50s TV style marriage where we're not allowed to share a bed. I promise It's because sometimes we each like sleeping by ourselves. My partner and I are both really light sleepers and can be kind of tossy and turny. And if I'm having trouble falling asleep, my internal guilt sensor is going to be telling me that I'm disturbing him, which makes it even harder to fall asleep. And he says the same thing to me. In the past, that has often meant that my partner ended up sleeping on the couch as often as he slept in our shared bed. And the couch is fine for sleeping, but it's not a bed. But it's more than that too. There are times when I just wanna fall asleep on my own, not because I don't love him, but because I value my own space too. In fact, having some alone time allows me to be a better partner to him. Rather than being an indication that there's trouble in the relationship, I actually think having the option to sleep separately can be the sign of a healthy relationship. We won't be sleeping apart all the time, maybe a couple nights a week, but I love that we can do this as a proactive choice rather than because there's a crisis in the relationship and someone has been banished to the couch. I actually wonder how often some couples unconsciously manufacture a crisis just so they can get some alone time. If that sounds like something you've done, call the response line at 720-GOOD-SEX and tell me about it. I would love to hear that story. So that's the news from Casa Good Girls. Now let's jump into the episode. Today, we're asking the question, Do you enjoy giving oral sex? For our heterosexual friends, that means blowjobs. For our lesbian friends, that means cunnilingus. And for everyone else, that means a smorgasbord of sexy fun. I'll be back with my own answer in a few minutes. Yes,
1: I enjoy both of those things. Depends on the person. But yeah. Yeah generally I actually do I've been told I'm very good at it so I think you kind of enjoy doing the things that you're good at and I (laughs) so true (laughs) right like if I sucked at it I'd be like oh this sucks um I don't have a gag reflex either which is super helpful but yeah no I enjoy it um I don't I think it's powerful like I have their dick in my mouth like I'm in control here. Like, I know that some people think it's like demeaning or whatever. I'm like, Hey, I'm like
0: completely like for me, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm pretty powerful here. I'm not as oral as I used to be. I used to love to do that. But if I'm sufficiently warmed up, I'll want to do that. Really hard.
1: Hard to talk about. Yeah. With a partner that I trust. I do. I do. I love it. I do now. Like I said, there's something about the chemistry between me and my husband that's just awesome. He's mm-hmm. the only person I've ever swallowed. Mm-hmm. Um, even my ex-husband would never. Nope. Mm-hmm. No. I would avoid getting him to that point because I didn't want it anywhere near my taste bud. Nope. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my current husband, I will take him all the way. It's not my preference, but I enjoy doing that for him.
0: not someone who can just dive into it but if we've had some foreplay i if i like the person i really like to do that with men women trans i've dated trans people too so now officially pansexual
1: i don't like penises and they definitely don't belong on my mouth like you you i don't want to touch it i don't want nope but i really 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 like oral sex with women like a lot Um, I do when I'm with a partner who I really enjoy being with. If I really like the person that I'm with and I really enjoy their body and I really enjoy them, it is really easy for me to enjoy giving them pleasure and enjoy their dick in my mouth. Um, But otherwise, I I feel like I pretty much do it as um, like a warm-up to get them ready um, or because I know it's going to feel good for them, (laughs) not so much because I enjoy it. I love giving blowjobs. I love giving blowjobs. I love giving oral sex. Like, I will request that. I get as much enjoyment out of that as I do with penis and vagina sex or using whatever. Yeah, I love it. I especially like watching my partner's face, if I can, um, when that's happening, because uh, I very much enjoy seeing them enjoy themselves.
0: Do you have a uh, preference between giving oral
1: sex on a penis versus on a vagina? Yeah, no, I think I I probably prefer it, uh, prefer a penis over a vagina. I don't know why. If you ask me another day, I might have a different answer. But today, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I do have TMJ, so it's not very often anymore. The smell and the the just the sounds, women, I love that. You know what I mean? Like oh, I love that. Um, and so I'd love the whole thing.
0: No. Do you do it anyway?
1: Rarely. Hmm.
0: What don't you like about it?
1: Oh, so many
0: things. (laughs) 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 Um, I strongly
1: dislike having semen in my mouth for one. Um, so that's a, like, do not come in my mouth, Mm -hmm. please. Um, but to be honest like the big thing for me is that my jaw gets tired and I have a very tight jaw to begin with um so it it takes a lot a lot of work and it's very physically uncomfortable for me to give oral sex um also my gay reflex is real strong
0: mm-hmm. like a
1: I have previously vomited on someone. Oh wow! Um, and he still wanted to have sex after.
0: <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, I just puked on your dick." <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I love oral. Um, I like blowjobs now. I didn't for a long time.
0: What has changed?
1: My ability to negotiate more with my own body and to not uh, feel pressured to do more performative things that professionals do.
0: I think I know exactly what you mean, but for people who are not familiar with, with what performative means, can you explain that? For sure. I mean, I mean that when I
1: think of some ways to have sex and some ways to give a blowjob, it is in in line with what you would see in your average like porn that you would look up on the internet. A lot of deep throating, a lot of, um, hair, you know, holding the back of the head, making people gag, um, a lot of fast, fast, rapid hand mouth movement, zero to 60 kind of like there's a dick and there it is all the way in your face. Um, which is wonderful if you love that. Um, And on occasion that's nice for me too, but it wasn't. And I have like, to talk about my body, I have a really um, strong gag reflex. So it was physically difficult and painful to do that. And, and I would anyway, I would say yes. And I didn't really want to do it like that. And it wasn't until I learned how to dial it back and have experiences where my own body was taken into equal consideration. Um, then I was like, oh, this is, oh. And literally, like, I started telling my friends who who had always been vocal about loving blowjobs, like, I'm starting to like it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I always really loved eating pussy. Always, always. The moment that I was lucky enough to have a partner with a pussy that would let me, I was happy to be spending <laughs> lots of time there.
0: Okay my turn. I have to admit, I'm a bit agnostic about genitals, both penises and vulvas. I've never met a set of genitals that I immediately thought, hey, I want to get with that. (laughs) I become more interested in interacting with someone's genitals after I've gotten to know them and am attracted to their whole person. For instance, it was at least a couple months after I started dating my current partner that I finally became enamored of his penis. Before that, it was just a thing between his legs that needed to be dealt with. I know that might sound weird coming from someone who talks as openly about sex as I do, but my openness isn't about loving every single aspect of sex. It's about realizing that I'm allowed to like and dislike things. It's about realizing that I've got hangups and I don't need to be ashamed of them. And it's about realizing that some of my desires are contradictory and that's okay and normal. And one of those contradictory desires is sometimes I wanna have sexy times with someone even though I'm not really interested in interacting with their genitals. But a few months into this relationship, a switch flipped inside me and I wanted to interact with his dick. And it's quite possible that it coincided with the day that he brought home a little gift for me. At the beginning of our relationship, I told him that I don't swallow. I'll tell you more about that story in two weeks when the topic will be, do you swallow? That wasn't a problem for him. So I'd occasionally go down on him and stop before things got too hot and heavy. Then one day he came over and told me that he'd gotten this little gift for me. He was clearly excited about it. So even before I knew what it was, I was excited too. When we were getting down to business that night, he pulled out a package of non-lubricated, tasteless, odorless condoms. He told me that if I were up for it, we could try using them during blowjobs. I was really touched by his thoughtfulness. I was also kind of nervous that giving a blowjob with a condom on was going to be really unpleasant. I'm sensitive to taste, smell, texture, pretty much everything. But as it turned out, the condom was perfect, and we still use them regularly. For those who want to try them out, I recommend non-lubricated Trustex condoms, and there's information in the show notes. So now that I'm deeply involved with the man who is attached to the penis, and we have the protection in place that keeps me from having to deal with ejaculate, I adore giving him blowjobs. And there's another factor in this current relationship that has allowed me to embrace blowjobs, and that's my partner's feedback. There's a lot of cultural pressure on women to give a great blowjob. How to give a mind-blowing blowjob is a regular feature in Cosmo magazine and other women-oriented outlets. But between being agnostic about the genitals that I was interacting with and my fear of having ejaculate in my mouth, I could never really relax enough to feel good about what I was doing to a partner's penis. For the most part, I got very little feedback from my male partners. But there was one boyfriend, of course, who actively told me I wasn't good at it and asked me to do things that I wasn't coordinated enough to do. There was sucking and twisting and pulling all involved at once, and I didn't want to be down there in the first place, so it's no wonder I couldn't get it all sorted to his satisfaction. But my current partner didn't set me up for failure. He told me right up front what he wanted. He asked me to use more tongue. I wasn't really sure what that meant, but I tried something. He gave me positive feedback, then gave me a more specific request about the location to use my tongue. I tried it. He gave me more positive feedback. And that's how it's continued. We've been together long enough now that he doesn't need to give me basic instructions anymore, but he continues to give me feedback. He gives me groans and noises that let me know he's enjoying what I'm doing. He tells me when he wants it soft and slow or when he wants it harder and faster. And he regularly tells me that he loves my blowjobs, which means I'm no longer in my head worrying that I'm doing a terrible job because he lets me know that he wants me to keep going. And that has made all the difference. And one more note before we move on. So far, I've only talked about giving blowjobs to penises, but the original question asked about giving oral sex to penises or vulvas. Now, there's a story out in the common mythology that if you're a woman, you'll automatically give amazing oral sex to other women because you know exactly how things down there work. Let me tell you, folks, that shit is complicated, Every time I've been down there on someone else's vulva, I have been completely perplexed about what to do and how to do it. This is completely separate from whether the woman on the other side was receiving pleasure. I've had a couple of women appear to have orgasms from my oral ministrations. But I was so tense and unsure of what to do how to do it, where to do it, that I can't in good conscience tell you that I was enjoying what I was doing. And given what I know about how often women fake orgasms just to get something over with, I also can't guarantee that the women receiving oral sex from me were enjoying it as much as they appeared to be. So in answer to the question, do I enjoy giving blowjobs and oral sex? My answer is, it's complicated. Want to invite you to imagine for a moment what your ideal sex life looks like and feels like. Who are you with? What type of sex do you have together? How do you feel while touching them? And how does your body feel when they touch you? Or maybe you'd like to be having less sex than you're currently having. If you don't know, or if that vision of your ideal doesn't look at all like what's currently going on in your bedroom, I can help. With personalized sex and intimacy coaching, we'll explore where you are, how you got here, where you want to be, and the steps to help you get there. There are no right or wrong answers, just the answers that work for you. I understand that exploring your sexuality and all that goes with it, your body image, your belief in your lovability and more can be terrifying. Believe me, I sat in the middle of that fire for decades. I know how painful it is, but I also stepped out the other side, stronger, more confident, and more certain of my lovability and desirability, and I want the same for you. I work with couples and one-on-one, whether you've never explored your sexual desires before, or you want to explore things you've never done before, like maybe BDSM or non-monogamy, or if you and your partner need some help figuring out how to communicate together so you can have better sex. I'm queer, kinky, and poly-friendly, and I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life. Together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free discovery call, visit LeahCarry.com forward slash coaching. A new client recently said that before her discovery call, she was extremely nervous, but that I made the experience feel easy and comfortable. So book your free discovery call today at LeahCarry.com. Forward slash coaching. For this week's Am I Normal question, we're dipping our toes into dating someone who is polyamorous.
1: Am I normal? Am I normal? Am I normal? Am I normal? Am I
0: normal? Am I
1: normal? Am I normal? I met a woman I'm really into and I'm so excited about her. The only thing is, she says she's polyamorous and she has other partners. And I've always been monogamous, but. She and I are such a good fit, just in every way. I think it could work. Uh, Am I crazy to believe I might be okay with her sleeping with other people?
0: Is this normal? Dear listener, wow, what a brave question and an exciting time of exploration. There are a lot of layers to this question, so I'm going to address a couple of them and invite you to call back if you need more guidance after that. Is it possible for a mixed monogamous polyamorous relationship to work? Yes, I've seen some of them work. Is it easy? No. This type of mixed relationship takes an immense amount of communication because there are going to be different rules for each member of the partnership. And before you even get to communicating with this potential new partner, you need to get honest with yourself. So here are some questions to ask yourself. Do you understand the type of polyamory that your potential partner practices? If it's hierarchical, meaning that partners have relative positions of priority in her life, do you understand where you fit in that hierarchy? Are you comfortable with that placement? If she already has a primary partner, are you comfortable with being a non-primary partner? If you're going to be the primary partner, will she be pursuing other committed relationships and or will she be pursuing other casual relationships? Are you comfortable with the idea that she may still be actively dating new people? Assuming the two of you get involved, once you've gotten through the rush of new love and are settled into a sort of stable relationship, How will you feel when she meets someone new and goes through that new relationship energy with someone else? Is your core stable enough to watch her having that new relationship energy with someone else and not wreck your own sense of self-esteem and desirability? How much time and attention do you need from your partner in order to be satisfied in the relationship? How much do you need to know or not know about her other relationships in order to feel secure in your partnership? So let's be clear, it is absolutely possible for someone in an open or polyamorous relationship to cheat. In this context, cheating means violating the agreements and boundaries agreed to by both of you. Being polyamorous does not mean that your partner has carte blanche to do anything with anybody unless that has been pre-negotiated. So what boundaries do you need to put in place to preserve your own sense of security and dignity? This might include whether or not she tells you before having sex with a new person. This might include whether or not you have veto power over her new partner's. This might include whether or not she's bound to use protection with other partners. This might include whether or not there are specific sexual activities that are reserved just for the two of you. It also includes whether or not you, after getting involved in this relationship, are also allowed to take on lovers outside the relationship. These are conversations that polyamorous couples have on the regular And if you're going to get involved with a polyamorous partner, you need to start getting comfortable with having them too. And once those boundaries are established, what type of communication do you need from your partner in order to feel comfortable that your boundaries are being respected and maintained? And one more really important question. How comfortable are you with people knowing about your relationship structure? If you introduce a new girlfriend to your friends and colleagues, and then someone sees her out canoodling with somebody else, are you willing to stand by her side and defend her right to do that? If not, does that mean you keep your relationship with her secret? And are you willing to have a relationship in secret? None of these questions are meant to be easy to answer. And if you go through them and find yourself having easy answers, I'd wager that you're answering through the rose-colored glasses of your fantasy of what you want to happen rather than being really honest with yourself. Also, remember while you're answering these questions, If you choose to get involved with a polyamorous person, it is with the knowledge that she will remain polyamorous. If you find yourself answering any of the questions above with some version of, yeah, but she'll become monogamous once she realizes how wonderful I am, you're responding from a place of wish fulfillment. And that isn't fair to you or to her. I don't want to dissuade you. It is possible to make this type of relationship work but it's going to take a lot of self-reflection and self-knowledge on the front end to build the kind of foundation that leads to a successful relationship. I hope that was helpful and I look forward to hearing how it goes for you. And to everybody listening, do you have an am I normal question? Please call. Leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. I had a rush of questions at the beginning when I started doing this segment, but they've slowed down recently and I need more to keep this feature running. So I encourage you to push yourself to be a little bit brave and dial 720-GOOD-SEX and leave a message with your question about sex and female sexuality. I look forward to hearing from you. This week, I'm excited to introduce you to a pretty new podcast. Marva and Sabrina launched Sistery Untold in June this year, and they explore history through the eyes of sisterhood. Here's a glimpse at their podcast trailer. Welcome to Sistery Untold. We are your sisters and hosts, Marva
1: and Sabrina. In this podcast, we look at history through the eyes of sisterhood. History often tells us that behind every great man is a strong woman, but we see things a little differently. We think that beside every strong woman is another strong woman, supporting her, influencing her, challenging her, hating her, or loving her. From so-called Bloody Mary and Elizabeth I to Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. We look into all of the rivalries, collaborations, frenemies, and friendships that make up sisterhood. So we hope you'll join us on June twenty third as we dive into the first episode of Sistery. See you then. We we won't see them though. <laughs> it's a podcast. Okay. Well, you'll hear us then. That's not this. That's just just stop trying. This is this sister-y. is Sistery. Okay.
0: Marva and Sabrina are delightful guides through interesting sisterly relationships. In fact, if you're as obsessed with the podcast You're Wrong About as I am, Sistory Untold is built on a very similar structure. I've just been listening to their July 7th episode about the Schuyler sisters, made famous by the Hamilton musical, which recently came out on Disney+. I love that they not only mention that one of their historical references was a bisexual woman, but they also speak respectfully about sex workers, so you know they've got my vote. And they've just dropped another episode entirely devoted to 18th century sex workers. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm super excited to do that. Links to the History Untold podcast and all of their social media info is in the show notes. That's it for today. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As a sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to LeahCarry.com. Forward slash coaching. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720 Good Sex. Full show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. And you can follow me at Good Girls Talk on the socials for more sex positive content. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. While listening to this show is free, producing it is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I'll gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Laura O'Connor. Transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.